What's going on, everyone? Zane here with Everything Vive. Want to welcome you back for another episode. Today, we have some special guests. Uh, they are Amy Stewart and Joel Ogden from Construct Studio. And this is the team that brought us all The Price of Freedom, which is a free experience on Steam. And it's about, I want to say like 15 to 20 minutes. It's puzzle solving based, uh, escape the room. Well, not really escape the room, but puzzle solving. And the best part is that it's got a very solid narrative. Uh, we talk with the team about the idea behind the narrative and how it's actually based uh, loosely on some very, very real things that happen and, and true experiments and projects that were kind of, uh, well, I mean, I won't, I won't get into it here, but you'll hear about it in the, uh, in the interview. And we cover quite a few topics. Uh, the Price of Freedom is actually being featured at Sundance this year at the HTC Vive booth. So this is a really cool game. Like I said, it's a free experience, so you have no reason not to get it. And we have a link to it uh, available on Steam, and I think it's available on Viveport as well. But yeah, check it out. Uh, listen to the interview. Let us know your thoughts if you've tried the game. And if you haven't, uh, yeah, just get on that and enjoy it. And it's it's really cool to hear that they're going to have some future episodes coming out soon. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Amy and Joel, how you guys doing? Good. We're good. Excellent. Good. How are you? We are doing great. I'm here with Ronnie. Ronnie, how you doing? I'm doing well as well. <laughs> Very cool. We are, we are so excited to have you guys on. Thank you so much for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for yes. having us. So, uh, well, I, I gave a little introduction for Price of Freedom, but for those who don't know, it's uh, it's a game out on Steam right now, or it's a, it's available on Viveport as well too. But um, what you guys did with the game, just the puzzle solving, the narrative, everything. I'm glad we have uh, Amy on the phone because Amy, I know you are the the head of narrative. Is that correct? <laughs> Yes. Awesome. So, yep. I, if you guys wanted to just take a take a minute to maybe introduce yourselves and your role in the project. All right. Well, since we started with me, yeah, I'm Amy, and I'm the uh, lead writer, narrative designer, and the lead programmer as well. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I'm I'm Joel Ogden. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Construct Studio, and uh, also directed The Price of Freedom. And wrote a fair bit as, yeah, as well. Also too. did some of the writing too. Very cool. So, uh, if you if you guys just want, like, let's just maybe start from the beginning. Then, um, where where did the inspiration for the game come from, or you know, how did the team come together? I just I want to give the the audience a, a better idea of how the price of freedom came from you know the ground up. Yeah. Um, so we we uh, we started as a uh, graduate school research project. Um, about two years ago at Carnegie Mellon's uh, Entertainment Technology Center. Uh, and, and our whole goal was to create some sort of um, 360 degree video piece uh, that, that could really, you know, elicit some sort of emotion from the viewer. Hmm. Uh, so we, we, uh, we started working on that and we came up with uh, Imago, which is a 360 degree film, um, which has been in a lot of film festivals. We're at SIGGRAPH with it. Uh, so we've been putting it out places. And then after that, we... We thought to ourselves, well, we know how to make, you know, virtual reality content. Like, let's uh, let's do this, you know, full time as an actual company. Um, so, you know, we got all of our stuff together. Um, we put together a prototype when we were out in Pittsburgh, um, and then came out here once we, you know, had something that we we're comfortable with, you know, showing other people and starting to get out there. Um, and we finished the Price of Freedom, uh, which is our, our first piece as a company. Um, you know, in late December, uh, and we just released that. So, uh -huh. yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think Ronnie, you got a question. Oh yeah, I was just gonna. So that's really interesting. I think you guys are are the first team that we've spoken to that you know started off making the 360 like video content, and then actually transitioned over to to producing a, a game. Um, could you talk about kind of what was involved in kind of making your decision to switch over from 360 video content over to, to game development and, and what some of those challenges were in order to, to, to pick up those skill sets if you guys didn't already have them? Yeah, so um, actually it kind of came about, um, our third member that was on the original team, who was Chuck, uh, was, worked at Weaver for a while. Oh. And, and so he um, did a lot of demoing. He would do... Um, you know, show the blue. And so you would set it up and put people in it and they would go, 
oh, can I do anything? Can I, um, you know, <laughs> use the controllers? And he'd say, no, it's it's really, it's a film. You you watch it. And um, so that I think for him, that's kind of what um, led him to say, you know, we, we really should look at in, interactive, which, you know, even when we were making Imago, um, because we started out basically prototyping and sort of doing short experiments of what to do. And um, yeah, we found that people, they, when they're, they aren't really con content to just be sort of sitting back and uh, an observer just being a fly on the wall. They always feel like they are a person in the space. They always feel like they, you know, want some sort of viewpoint. And then when you go beyond that, um, they, they want to touch things. Hmm. Um, and we kind of got around that. So with our film, it's actually from the perspective of someone that has uh, locked in syndrome there. They've lost the ability to move essentially. Oh, okay. um, and it was sort of, right. So it was sort of exploring what that would be like. Um, but then we sort of, I think we just, we wanted to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just that ability to, you know, actually reach out and, and interact with the world around you. Uh, we, we felt really, you know, kind of put you into the scene and, and built a, a stronger story if you're the one that's actually investigating and, and uncovering things as you go. Mm -hmm. you, you get to be the protagonist. You're not sort of. And, 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 what, and, and what unique challenges does it bring? I mean, especially from the narrative, because I mean, one of the strengths of, 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 your, of your experience is that, you know, the narrative really is steered by the players interactions i was just wondering kind of how you know as a first time uh you know trying to transition to that more interactive type of type of role you know w what's it like to try to tell a story where the player has more interaction and drives the narrative yeah so uh so, so that took a lot of work actually um so th th this is our this is our fourth prototype uh, that, that we had created, um, you know, and, and tried to flesh out. Um, and, and really just a lot of playtesting to see, you know, where people look, what do they grab, um, you know, how do they actually interact with the scene, and, and how do they kind of absorb that information. Uh, and, and one of the challenges that we found is that, you know, people, especially figuring that VR is so new, um, they, they tend to just kind of reach out, grab things, look at it for a second, and throw it over their shoulder and see what else is around. <laughs> that uh, sounds about yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, so you might give them something important that you want them to look at, and they, in all likelihood, are not going to look at it. Um, so our, our approach to get around that was to tell the story uh, both in documents, but also in audio recordings, in video and in the environment itself. Um, so you, you can't help but at least get that, that core story, uh, you know, as you go through the experience. And then the deeper that you want to dive into it, the more that you actually want to read and experience it, then we also, you know, allow you to do that as well. Um, if you want to really pick up all those small details. It, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because it reminds me of when I first played uh, The Price of Freedom. Literally, the one of the first things I did when I, when I, I, th I think... I'm trying to remember, I think it's the second room, like you open a door and, and go into the second room, the, there's, a, there's a locked door. And literally, I don't think I was even really trying to figure out yet that I needed to open the door or not. I saw the vase, and because I was playing VR, I wanted to just pick it up and throw it on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, I was like, oh, a vase. Picked it up, threw it on the floor. And then I looked around and I was like, oh, wait, there's a key there. I probably should open the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I, when I played it I, and I've seen other people play it, just, or, you know, whenever I have people over to try it out. And it's the same exact thing that Ronnie said. Like, it's, it's one of those things where nobody's actually looking for the key yet, but they find the key because they want to play with the vase. <laughs> and, then it, and then it instantly kind of gears your mind into, like, from that point on, I feel like I kind of understood, okay. Like I, I see where this is gonna go. Like the types of things that I'm gonna need to look out for, and this or that, and and another. And I guess just in, for any of our listeners that haven't played, the price of freedom is it's free on Steam, so there's no reason or excuses for you not to, you know, go and check it out before you listen to this. So please go download it, <laughs> play it before you you listen to the rest of it. But but like, no, in, we'll we'll do our best not to spoil any of it. Yeah, the, no, no, no. The narrative is is one of the best parts of of the game. So. But but yeah, but there's there's another instance where you're looking for you know uh uh you know when you're trying to find the secret the secret compartment, 
And I, yeah, it took me a while to like, I was literally trying, I took off every book from the bookshelf. I kind of like went through all of these different <laughs> things before I realized like, oh, it's really obvious. It's right here in the middle, but it's just kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, yeah. I mean, th- there was definitely a, a nice touch and, and feel to the game. And that's what Ronnie and I were actually talking about before we, we jumped on the call. Uh, it's just the interactiveness with the entire environment, I think just adds to that level of immersiveness. Um, and then also like, I think one of my favorite things was, uh, what Ronnie was saying also, like just the things that you have to do to drive the game forward. So like, instead of hitting start, um, there's a, you have to swallow some pills in the beginning. And that to me was just, it's just like a nice touch. It makes me feel like it reminds me of like the matrix or something, (laughs) you know, you're ready to jump down the rabbit hole, that type of thing. So yeah, very cool. And that, that was definitely, that was definitely by design. Joel, you, you know, very insistent. We will have no UI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I really wanted to avoid any feel of it being a, a video game per se. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and really try to give you more of a feel of some sort of film or some sort of, uh, you know, I, I guess ex- experience opposed to you know actually seeing UI items and interacting with some sort of you know some sort of screen or some sort of interface because you know it, it wouldn't really fit with the theme anyway. Uh, you know, the time period that we're dealing with, it would feel very disjointed even to do things like teleport um, around the scene unless if we did something to really, you know, try to match that theme. Uh, so, so, so that's what led a lot of our, you know, a lot of those design decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the content allows us to do some, some weirder, trippier things as well. Uh, because this is all based on real government experiments and stuff, a lot of them with L- LSD and other psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it gives us some liberty to, to get a little bit weird with it and use that as a, as a device to carry you through the story and also you know, to, to do things that we have to from a design perspective to get you pointed in the right direction and doing what you have to do. Yep. No, that's, you know, that's, that's really interesting. I did not think about that until you just mentioned it now, where there is absolutely no... No user interface at any point in the game. That's uh, I, I well, I mean that's fantastic. I like it's one of those things where you don't notice it until it's. Oh, I, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But <laughs> like you, you didn't notice it, and it didn't take you out of the experience. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And like it, it was, was it was so opposite. it was so fluid that I didn't even notice that it wasn't there. If that makes sense, like there was never there was never a need to like search for a menu option. There was never a need for you know like you just kind of went through the narrative, and I thought. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Now thinking about it on the back end, uh, knowing that this was kind of done on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, and that's also something that we found in uh, in our prototypes pretty early on is that every single thing that that the player needs to do, you you need to train them to do it. Um, so you know, we we had a lot more gadgets that they were interacting with, um, a, a lot harder puzzles at first, and and we we noticed that that half of our time was spent trying to get them to you know, do the things that, that they were supposed to do uh, on terms of using these gadgets and on terms of solving things. Um, but, but it really took a lot of time away from, you know, actually telling a story and actually immersing them in the scene. Uh, so at one point we just decided, you know, what, what interactions do we really need them to, to have um, and, and how can we kind of make this as natural as possible so you jump into it and you, you just kind of feel like you know what to do already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's why we tried to incorporate elements that you see in your, you know, normal everyday life, like, you know, opening up the door, uh, finding buttons, using keys, th- things like that, that, you know, we don't need to do any training. Uh, you know, it's, it's things that you're already used to and we're just, you know, using that for a purpose uh, to tell a story. So. Yeah. And we, so, and going off of that, cause as he mentioned, we started out, we had, I think four gadgets that you were supposed to use and you spent so much time just trying to figure it out that, yeah. but we ended up just taking the one gadget that people liked the most that really seemed the most effective. Um, and of course that's now what's in the, I, I don't know if I should say just for the- <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I, I was, I'm, I was mouthing it to Zane over here. Like I was like, I think I know what she's talking about, but yeah. Yeah. Near, yeah. yeah near the end kind of. Near the end, yes. Yeah, yeah, which was really cool. Something else that I was thinking when you guys were speaking, like that kind of, it's one of those, like, you know, small touches that really, I think, probably makes a big difference in in the general flow of the experience was the fact that, um, you know, all of the notes and clipboards and whatnot that you uh, that you end up reading while, you know, during your time in in the Price of Freedom, um, all you know, you don't really waste any 
any motions that are unnecessary. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, you were talking about some of those natural kind of, uh, you know, interactions like pressing buttons and, and, and moving objects and that sort of thing that, you know, players would just naturally and easily, uh, you know, uh, go and, and, and do on their own. Um, but there were the little things that I think would have been really frustrating, but the way you guys handled them made it to where it was a non-issue, like, you know, taking the letter out of the envelope or, or flipping something out of the, like, you know, from, from a a note, like a a file folder, for example, like every time Mm -hmm. I picked it up, you know, it automatically kind of opened up and, and I, you know, it was, it was so easy to go then and read what was there and you didn't have to kind of fiddle around with the object or anything to, to get to the point of what you guys were trying to, to pull across. And I actually thought that was really well done. Cool. Yeah. that, That was definitely our goal. Yeah, it was really about trying to figure out what interactions are, you know, feel really rewarding versus which ones kind of just get in your way from getting to the reward and um, making sure you kind of cut out those frustrations that they're really not necessary. Um, And, you know, it's kind of actually like the same principles of UI, just with natural objects in the game of, you know, making sure, you know, good UI is invisible. So we sort of tried to make sure the interactions were relatively invisible. And, and also the ergonomics of it, too. Um, so all of our stuff is is built essentially to the ergonomics handbook uh, to make sure that, you know, people are able to access all the drawers that they're supposed to. They're able to see everything that they're supposed to. And also, you know, that, that helped us to, to pace the experience kind of knowing where people expect things to be in the physical world that's already around us, you know, that, that we already have a guide for. One, um, and then, yeah. Oh, no, you can continue. I, I was just going to say one thing that I noticed, like in, in, in that respect that I haven't seen in most games, was um, in a lot of games when you tend to drop objects on the floor, it becomes really, really hard to pick them up because of the way the floor is, the floor is set up. And I, and, I, and I, for some reason, I noticed... I could be wrong. Maybe I'm giving credit where, you know, credit isn't due, but it seemed like for some reason it was a lot easier to pick up objects from the floor yeah, I didn't in have Price of Freedom either. than most other games that I've played where it can actually be a problem where you have to shut it off because, you know, it's it's not letting you get close enough to the floor or, like, I don't know. It's just something that yeah. I... Well, I, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's definitely another one of those challenges. Yeah, and that that was a that's been a hard one for us actually. And we we did some extra we did do some extra things in there to make it that um, you can pick things up off the floor a little bit easier because different people have different setups, and you know if you kind of line up your hands in game where your hands in real life are, well, your controller is sticking out from that and. So it's going to naturally hit the ground first, but um, yeah, but we did do some things to try to mitigate that um, as well as we could. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's working out. <laughs> such, <laughs> such a such a small thing that you noticed, but, but it was I, such a big like yeah. like I said. There's like no, it it's it's funny because sometimes it's like the little things in VR experiences that throw throw off what you know what's what happens with the user. And it's those little kind of touches that I think make the price of freedom so good. No, I'll agree with that. I mean, I actually have a, a real world example of, of today, just trying out a game where an essential tool needed fell on the floor and I couldn't reach it. So um, yeah, great job with that. Yeah, thanks. Well, and, and also a lot of the things that are absolutely essential to, to drive the story. Um, you know, that, that's another thing that we struggled with too is, you know, how, how do we make sure that, that you still have access to those things that, that you need to, like keys, uh, you know, the pill cups, anything like that? Um, you know, so, so there are some points where you do need to kind of do some snapping or some creative ways of, you know, repositioning things in case if the, the player does insist on, on trying to, uh, you know, kind of sabotage that effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sabotage themselves, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, um, I'd like to. I, I, I don't. I feel like we're getting so close to uh, revealing too much about the game, and um, 
I just I want to I want to keep it as fresh for anyone who's listening and has not tried it out. You guys got to make sure you try it out. But I'm thinking we can uh, transition to maybe what the next steps for you guys are in in the near future and also further out. Um, and maybe just focusing on the near future first. Uh, we you know just just reading online and following what you guys are up to. It looks like you guys will be at Sundance coming up soon. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to ask you how that. Uh, you know, is that a big deal for you guys? Uh, first of all, congrats uh, if it is or it is not. Uh, still, I think it's for, for us, it's very cool to see, um, you know, narrative driven things uh, or apps like this getting the the recognition that they deserve. But yeah, I just wanted to get your perspective on that and what, you, what you're expecting from that experience. Yeah. Um, so we, we've been showing at the HTC booth, um, you know, at, at the Sundance Film Festival. It's not actually part of Sundance itself. Um, it's, it's right in that same complex, though. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty well received so far. Um, and we're, we're still hoping to build up a little bit of, uh, a little bit of that fan base, just trying to get, uh, you know, some people to, to start noticing uh, this project that we just released pretty recently. Um, and, and our plans are to, to keep on going with this series. Um, so we, we have a lot of material that we hope to work off of. Uh, MK Ultra, you know, is, is one of these real government projects that went on from the 50s all the way up into the 80s. Um, and, and a lot of the stories are, are even crazier than we could ever yeah. present. It uh, does scratch the surface. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So we, we, yeah. So, so we have a lot to work off. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. And then... Uh, Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, because, I mean, along the lines of, of your series, um, I don't know that we fully got into kind of what the inspiration was behind behind you you guys actually uh, choosing this type of narrative and, and kind of like, how did you go? How did this come about? Like, how did you decide to really, talk, you know? Yeah, look, I guess uh, why this theme, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, it sounds so, like there's a story there. <laughs> well, so so, uh, so I actually spent some time in the military uh, prior to going to grad school and all that, and then used the GI Bill actually uh, to take me through school. Um, so I, I've I've had a lot of experience, especially with you know government documents and stuff like that, and with kind of the way that you know, especially that mindset and that complacency of you know it, it constantly feeling as though you're you're kind of making the right move, even though you aren't necessarily. Uh, always making the right moves, um, and uh, we, we see that as kind of a reoccurring theme in, in MK Ultra too. Uh, you know, especially with with the fight against you know Soviet aggression and you know the, these attempts to you know to, to combat communism. It, it really you know forced a lot of the the decisions uh, to to go in directions that that weren't necessarily ethical or or even productive, really. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of a theme in, in what we're touching on. Um, and, you know, also, I, I guess just kind of that, uh, I don't know. Well, you, you came to me, with, yeah. you already had the concept when I joined. So, yeah, you, and, you know, we were kind of looking at it first, you know, when people address MKUltra, um, it tends to be more from the perspective of it, it tends to go kind of sci-fi, you know, stranger things type stuff where it's like mm -hmm. now they have psychic powers and so on. And I think as we got more and more into it, really reading about it and learning about it, um, you know, we were kind of like, you know, there's a real story here that this is um, stuff that they really tried to do. And while we certainly fictionalize aspects of it, um, Everything that we covered, all the documents you find so far, they they they're they're you know based on real documents, and this was absolutely the sort of thing that was you yeah. know in the you know and, in, in what they were trying to do. And, and even Doctor Angles is loosely based off of a real character, uh, you know Westgate Psychiatric. That, that's real place. Yeah, yeah, that's based off of a real place. Even Subproject Sixty Eight and a lot of those goals and everything. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of this is just taken right out of history and just you know, put it in a more digestible format. Yeah. That's, that's um, really yeah. interesting. Uh, so just, just thinking about it now, um, it, it, I guess the implications for virtual reality, not just in gaming or not just in storytelling, but uh, more so maybe even in education, 
because you guys are you guys you know you you did a lot of research for this. It's based on a lot of you know history and actual fact. And though the the narrative was you know fictionalized, like you said, uh, I feel like there's a, a very big area for people to give a, like an immersive history lesson into something. And I, not, I know that's not what you guys are doing, but like there there is some sense of that where you're shedding light on you know, projects and things that were done in the past, um, obviously putting a different spin on it. And, and in a way that I think actually makes the the person uh, viewing or being, you know, an integral part of the experience actually kind of feel what it might be like to to be in a situation like that or really, like I, I think you, 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 you learn from the experience in a more personal way than you would just watching a video mm-hmm. or reading about it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm just, I know that's kind of more of a, a tangent, but like, was that something you had planned initially or was it, was it more so just like the idea of giving people that experience or was there that, you know, sense of, you know, this, this is something that actually happened and not, we don't necessarily want to shed light on it, um, you know, uh, to teach people, but it, I guess in whatever capacity, what did that ever come to mind? Um, I, I think that's something yeah. that we kind of evolved into. Yeah. Um, so, so we started out, we, we realized that, you know, especially on terms of VR, uh, the, the subject matter was perfect for it. Uh, you know, the, the, this whole idea of kind of mind control and, you know, some of those in, indirect control type of necessities that, that you have in designing a, an interactive experience. Um, and then o- over time, as we started to dig into these stories and we started to find these real facts and we started to realize, you know, kind of, I, I guess, how dramatic this stuff was without really fictionalizing it too much. Uh, we-, we realized that, that we had an opportunity to tell even more of a serious and, you know, I, I guess more of an impactful yeah. story that- than we ever could have, you know, just having it purely fiction. Yeah, because uh, I-, I think we started out yeah. more of a, oh, fun, you know, spy drama with maybe some kind of trippy elements, you know, and then it it turned into something else, something more. Um, And we did know, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so we we did know from um, our work on Imago that, you know, the ability for the VR narrative to create empathy, to put you sort of in the shoes of another person and then let you act on that it's just really powerful um it's something that the the um the medium is really great at maybe in a way that no other medium is and so i think that as well was sort of um you know a you know was an influence of you know let's use this medium for that as well yeah, just just going off of it, and again, without giving you know any information away about about the price of freedom itself, but um, since we we are kind of going to be moving on to talking about some of you know what you guys are going to be working on in the future, and and you know the additional um, you know the next steps in your series, um, w- w- is it difficult to kind of follow up? I mean, obviously, you you took a very specific approach with with the price of freedom in that, uh, you know, it's your first, you know, episode, I guess, of the series, whatever you want to, however you want to refer to it as. Um, so, you know, the player comes into the price of, of freedom, really not knowing fully what to expect. And I think you kind of, you know, bombard them with this tone and, and, you know, this narrative and it's very strong and, and, you know, you leave with a very, you know, strong lasting impression. Um, moving forward, do you, are you looking to create experiences that are, you know, that are kind of uh, self-reliant that don't really, you know, that start from ground zero again or, or, and, and is it difficult, I guess, as you know, in developing the narrative, if you're going to, you know, be creating experiences for people that are hopefully um, sticking with, with you guys on your journey and going from project to project to kind of, you know, m- you know, start start anew again i guess what is it is it challenging to to do that and how and and what are some of the ways that you guys have kind of approached that problem yeah yeah that's a really good question uh do you, yeah go ahead yeah um so we, we uh we we tried to to keep it kind of simple with this first one um so you know really focus on you coming into it without without really knowing what's going on, you thinking that you're some sort of spy, um, and then 
you know, as you actually get into it, that, then we do that flip. Um, you know, but, but that's something that, that we can't always rely on or lean on, uh, you know, for the future episodes. Um, so we, we've been considering different ways to, you know, st still have this a, a short experience where you could dive into it. You still get an idea of what's going on. It's still, it's still self-contained. Um, but then having that as, as part of this larger, broader conspiracy, um, you know, of MK Ultra, and, and kind of seeing where now your, your small piece of this narrative fits into this broader collective narrative. Um, so we're, we're still hoping to kind of keep that, that, that small self-contained package, mm -hmm. um, but, but scaling that up on terms of, you know, a full, you know, four or five episodes where... Once you hit the end of it, then you're kind of looking back and, and seeing all these different pieces that, that have added to this full conspiracy that you finally put together. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so I, I guess I'm just curious, like looking at uh, more specifically the future episodes coming out, uh, you know, w will they be in this same format <laughs> where it's roughly the, uh, the same amount of time in terms of gameplay? Um, or are you looking to build out something that... <laughs> You know, the longer episodes, uh, I guess another question uh, that might be of relevance, like, uh, will, it, will they be free or, you know, are you looking to build out fuller, fuller titles that people can really sink their teeth into after getting, you know, a little taste in Price of Freedom? I, I'm just curious what it's looking like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that was our approach. Um, you know, we're going to release the Price of Freedom for free. Uh, we, we, we really wanted everybody to, to, to have it and experience it. And, you know, kind of know what, what we're doing and what we're planning on putting out there. Um, and then uh, we're, we're using almost a, a similar model to Telltale in that, you know, we'll be releasing the, the future episodes then either individually or as a complete package that you'll be able to, uh, you know, to download. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we are looking at a few different uh, models for how exactly we'll break up that narrative. Um, for one thing, um, you know, we do, we want to expand it and have, you know, something that feels bigger. Of course, you know, uh, I think a lot of people have, you know, wanted that too, something that's a little bigger and fuller. At the same time, uh, there's also other models out there such as VR arcade models that we're having sort of being able to play something in a 15 to 20 minute chunk fits well. So we're sort of looking at, um, different ways we can um, do both in a way. Um, basically break things up in a way that you can get the fuller narrative by playing through, but the, the sections are sort of separated out so you can play a smaller section in one setting and then maybe two or three add up to a full episode. Um, but uh, again, it's a little early, early days. So, you know, yeah. no, no, you know. Very but, cool. Well, yeah, it's, it's um I guess it's just fascinating to see in talking with you guys and other developers like how do you balance that you know the the different types of experiences that you can offer to people because it, it seems that you know HTC as well as pushing this um the, their arcade program the V arcade program and so uh, you know I think I think what you guys are trying to do in terms of having this this experience that's available for free which is you know fifteen to twenty minutes and and I will say um, you know the price of freedom it's it's free and it has a lot more than a lot of other pay, other paid games out there and you know I'm not, I'm not saying that lightly I think uh, both Ronnie and I and just in talking with our audience and the, the response and reaction that we've gotten from our audience about the game uh, kind of proves that you know it's there's a lot to it. People really like the game format and they like what they were able to get um, for, I guess, for free, but also just in terms of being able to have experiences like that. Uh, and I think, you know, whatever you guys are working on next there, you know, like you said, building that fan base, you're going to have a lot of people, you know, myself included, that will be very excited to see, you know, what that entails. And, yeah. and what yeah, goes down. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what we want to hear. That's great. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, we got a couple more questions for you guys. Want to be respectful of your time. Um, this last one, sorry, I don't know why I said the last one. Uh, this next one, um, I guess, isn't necessarily price of freedom related, but just more VR in general. And it's it's a perspective, or it's a question we like to ask because I feel like uh, as developers, you guys have a unique perspective on the industry. And so it's, it's more so, uh, you know, 
what is one wish that you have for the for the future of VR platforms? And you know, the hypothetical that we throw out there is, if you were the CEO of HTC or Oculus, you know, where would you be putting your your resources, your time, energy? Like, where would the focus be um, in terms of like what's what's gonna help take VR to the next level? Or like, if you have an idea, I guess, in game development, um, what what is something that would really add to the experience if if the platform would allow it? If that makes sense. <laughs> I think for me, it's foot tracking. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be uh. delightful to actually track the full body, um, you know, feet and, you know, even hip position would be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Which there are some people doing some experiments with that now yeah. with the VR tracker. and. The- I was just going to ask about that. Is that something yeah. that you guys might, might look to incorporate? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it depends on what platforms are out there. But also, I mean, if it's. You know, if you only have uh, a few developer kits out there for one of these, you know, type of systems, then it, it really doesn't make too much sense to build an experience around it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we're, we're always going to keep it to you know where where the biggest uh, where the biggest market is. Um, so so that always makes it difficult to incorporate new technology. But. Right, but you know, there there you always kind of have to balance. You know, where where can your where's your consumer? Yeah. Um, which actually it's not really you know a um it's kind of a selfish answer but i i want i think the vr um industry and the vr medium is going to live or die by its content if there isn't good content out there and it's not good content that people have easy access to and it's fairly priced and so on then it will not make it you know, as strong as an entertainment medium. Mm-hmm. So um, I really, you know, I want to see, and not saying that they aren't working on that now, of course, but, you know, it's still pretty early. And um, I, I want to see, you know, more things out there, more complexity. There, there seems to almost be a fear of complexity in designing for VR. Um, and we've even, you know, heard some of that. They tend to not want to design experiments there are experiences that take longer than 15 minutes and um i i, I don't know I, I i want some more of that you may agree or disagree i don't know but, yeah yeah well i i respect that quite a bit uh, because you you guys are definitely walking the walk in terms of that i mean you released a like i said a, a title that is it's not a a pushover by any means. And, you know, for something that's free, I feel like it offers quite a bit of value for people who, who have the vibe headset. Um, so, you know, great, great job on that. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, with the, sorry, go ahead. Anything else? Oh, well, just haptic feedback too. Haptic. I, oh, okay. I think that's really going to change a lot of things too. Once you're actually able to reach out and touch the world around you, um, and then, you know, of course, if you could actually overlay that, you know, once AR comes along, that, that's going to be a platform that we definitely hop on um, when it comes to telling, you know, narrative type of experiences for it. But, yeah, I think and a lot of the things I want to see, things like haptics, you know, more integrated things like um, just fair resolution. Of course, our, our experience is very reading based. So, that, you know, sometimes yeah. that's difficult. Uh, but I think some of that is just the result of, you know, the medium and how it's going to keep, you know, the technology itself. So not really new things, but just improvements. Oh, wire wireless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate these wires. <laughs> well, we're almost there. Just a couple months away, right? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> no, uh, going along those same lines, just curious about, because that was something that I was thinking about asking earlier and then just didn't find the right time to mention it. But um, talking about, I guess, room scale and uh, I guess, mm. I guess uh, bringing in like larger environments. Um, uh, Price of Freedom is, you know, mostly in a small environment. And I know you were talking about, you know, kind of, you know, developing, uh, you know, where the users are. And, and I know right now, you know, the headsets all have very varying degrees of, of, you know, of abilities and whatnot when it comes to room scale. But um, is, 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 is developing a game for a larger environment something that is appealing when you're creating something more narrative based or does it, does it add too many, you know, unknowns to the equation and, and make it too difficult to kind of guide a player in one direction or another? 
Um, you know, I no, I think we would love to be in a you know, larger environment. In a lot of ways, having a small environment adds a lot more restraint in what you can and can't do. Um, you know, if, if you just had you know rooms that were just completely the size of a regular room and you could go anywhere in that room, then you know that'd be brilliant. But uh, we started this project, we were looking at sort of the statistics of owners of Vive, um, and even the people that own Vive have it set up using room scale. This is the most common uh, size, uh, the 2.5 by 2 meters or whatever it is. Yeah. And so we, we sort of decided early on we were going to support that and yeah and, and also one of our main goals um is to is to push out to china and, and other asian audiences mm-hmm. um and you know generally you know they, they don't have as large of play spaces um so you know we're, we're really trying to make sure that it's as accessible as possible um and that anybody no matter what size room they have they can still play the experience um you know re- really just to make sure that everybody you know has no reason but to play our game that, that was our goal right um, and then too, like you mentioned right now, um, different platforms have different, yeah. uh, support for room scale. So, um, and since we made the decision sort of early on not to do uh, blink or teleporting, um, that did sort of mean, okay, we're, we're going to have small environments and that's, that's the, you know, we just yeah. sort of tried to find little tricks we could here and there to make it feel bigger than it really was and yeah yeah well, um whether, whether we're, that's going to be sustainable when we're doing sort of upcoming episodes mm-hmm. um since we do of course you know we want to expand that narrative um we'll we'll have to look at that um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah for this that was definitely a big goal we had no that makes sense so no, I mean, there, there's a lot that you can do in a you know 360 space around you without having to move around a, a bigger room. And I, you know, the fact that there were several different environments that you could be involved with 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 the game, uh, with the Price of Freedom, in, in just a short segment that it is, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that was ever an issue. Um, not having blink or not having any type of teleportation. And, and like you were saying earlier, Joel, you know, it was the the idea of not not taking people out of the immersion. I guess not not taking people out of of VR not having yeah. anything that's user interface, so that that makes a lot of sense to me now. And I think that I guess you you can't have uh, can't have every experience in a tiny room um, moving forward. But still, I, I think what what you're able to do there's there's still so much that people can do in a short you know or sorry not, not in a short but in in that 360 environment. And by putting them in several of them, I think that that really adds to the gameplay. Yeah, no, and actually one of the reasons why I I was thinking about bringing it up earlier was just the fact that I think the Price of Freedom does it very well similarly uh, kind of one of the games that i had in mind when i thought of how you guys use the space to a degree and this is definitely a compliment was uh, unseen diplomacy because that game mm-hmm. that game is is cool in that it lets you you know explore a, a larger environment without ever having to use anything like like blinker teleportations by kind of you know managing the play area well and you know getting you to move move along you know you know, different paths that are included in the play space. And, and the price of freedom did that to some extent when you were moving through, you know, from door to door. And then, and then the way you guys did the secret compartment in, in that one area where, you know, it moves, but you're still in the same, mm-hmm. same general area and, and all that stuff I thought was done really well. And, and I, and I was kind of curious as to what the, the, you know, it, it, it d- definitely did seem like it was a very, um, you know, a very conscious decision that you guys made to that, you know, to that, that the player wouldn't be using these artificial means of moving that they would just, you know, move in their own actual space. So, so I, I just, it was that something that you guys did for narrative purposes and you just didn't want to pull people out of the experience or, or, or what kind of were some of the logic behind that, those decisions? Yeah, I, I think there was a couple of things. Um, you know, it, it was really trying to keep that, that continuity, um, but also just a matter of, you know, training them on or, or not training them on, on some sort of teleporting mechanic. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, at least for this experience, we didn't feel like we really needed to push outside of that. Uh, we were able to, to keep it self-contained and, you know, just kind of, you know, small and a little bit closer. 
Um, and, and another advantage of that is that it, it makes people feel a little bit more claustrophobic and a little bit more nervous, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so that, that also kind of lends itself to the story because, you know, it's, it's adding a little bit more pressure onto the player and it's, it's making them feel a little bit more uncomfortable, uh, which is exactly the feeling that we're trying to elicit. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. And, and especially in the assassination scene, if you notice, um, the, the room actually even morphs quite a bit. The, the ceiling gets taller and you know, we kind of push them a little bit further away from you. So we're, we're once again pulling in those psychedelic aspects um, to justify some of those things that, that we needed to from a story perspective and from a design perspective, um, you know, and also kind of treating it more like a, like a place in your mind, you know, it, it opposed to an actual physical you know, location, I guess, um, yeah. which is something yeah. that, that we're also going to be going back to in future episodes. So we, yeah. we really want to push that even further. Yeah, and we did play Unseen Diplomacy pretty much. That was about one of the, I think I showed up yeah. like that yeah, first day. I, that first day, and you, you were chuckling. and was like, okay, here, you got to play this. This is what's up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, I have a background in uh, UX, UI design and development. So I was always the one who was like, you could just make a button and be so easy. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's not a game. It, it make, make no, you know, yeah. I, or I'm like, you need instructions <laughs> for explaining things. No, no. Okay. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You had to fight the natural <laughs> instincts on that one, but I, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. I mean, Joel, good, good job with sticking with your guns. Like, like I said, I mean, just, <laughs> just thinking about it now, just, just thinking about it now on the back end, like it's, it, it really is very different from a lot of the other experiences out there because it lacks that, um, that user interface. So, yeah, yeah. No, I never doubt it. So we're not trying to pitch you guys against each other. We, we, we want those future yeah, episodes out, easy. please. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for you to say this. You're just the three guards. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always it's always a challenge though. Designing yeah. anything in VR is always it really is. It, it, but, but it's always fun too because you know there, there's no rules already written. You know, there, there's there's a language for film, there's language for you know, books and even theater and, you know, even video games now. Um, but as far as VR, I mean, it's, it's the Wild West in terms of storytelling. So we, we just kind of make things up, see if it works. Usually it doesn't. And then we, you know, pivot and try something else. Well, yeah, even, even I mean, you, you were mentioning, you know, warping the, the dimensions of the room while, you know, during the assassination and everything. Like, honestly, when you just explained that now, it kind of took me back to how I felt when I first experienced it. And it really was a weird experience going from the one scene where you were, you know, part of the assassination to the next scene where you're in the room with, you know, the person dead. And, <laughs> and like, I like literally thinking back to it now, like, I remember there being a weird disconnect in, in my own thinking when I went from the one environment to the other. Cause I was like, wait, like I've been here before, but it looks different than I remember it. And it's not like a hundred percent natural. Like, like you explaining it to me just now kind of put it in perspective, but I didn't totally like it, it, it left me in like a weird, awkward kind of like, I'm sure the way I was supposed to be feeling at the time, you know, experience. Yeah. so it's, it's pretty cool actually. Like that, that's really, really neat how you guys told the story that way. Yeah. And so that was frankly just technical, yeah. You know, because we're doing all this stuff with, you know, no blink. It's all just moving your play space around. You know, there are moments like that where it's like, well, we got to get the play space lined back up with the room. And that's, you know, so we got to yeah. figure out some way to do that. And yeah, yeah. It but it was all seamless. Like, I never really, it didn't register, like, that that was happening to me. It just kind of. Yeah, because. Yeah, we, we did a couple tricks there that um, some every once in a while someone will notice, but most people they get maybe something felt odd, but they don't know exactly why. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I you know sometimes uh, that saying less is more, and you know just I guess by restricting yourself from a certain asset or a certain ability that most people make use of, you know, it forces you to become creative in other ways to to tell a narrative or to to add these certain effects. So. 
that's a, that, that's really cool that that you're able to come up with something like that, even even if it was you know born on some type of technicality. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that was actually quite a few more questions than than we were able to <laughs> ask, but we we appreciate you guys taking the time today. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, our, our last one isn't isn't really a question. It's it's more so just a, a chance for you guys to give a shameless plug. You know, how can people connect with you? Obviously, the game is on Steam uh, and on Viport. We're going to make sure that we we link to it in the show notes. But uh, if there's any parting thoughts you guys wanted to leave, uh, you know, our listeners with and and for for everyone listening, just go and get the game. I know if you've listened through it <laughs> through this episode, there might have been a couple. Th- of uh of plot points given but it's still a it's still a fantastic experience and you know best of all it's free so you you have no excuse and and just even going through the interview the dimensions everything you guys literally have no excuse if you've listened to, listened, <laughs> listened through this interview um but you know you guys mentioned you're trying to build out a fan base how can people who are fans connect with you and you know maybe stay up to date with when these uh you know future episodes are coming out or the development cycle and things like that yeah, I, I think the first thing, you know, just like us on Facebook, uh, we keep that that pretty well updated, both on Construct Studio and The Price of Freedom. And what, yeah. what's the link for that? It's facebook.com slash? Um, uh, yeah, I think it should be Construct Studio. I think it's Construct Studio. Um, yeah, and just The Price of Freedom. Yeah, and, and you should be able to just plug it right into Facebook. And find okay, it. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure we link to that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, we're going to be releasing a Chinese version Um Hopefully, pretty soon. Yeah, within the next couple of weeks. Within the next couple of weeks, by the end, we're we're aiming for you know Chinese New Year is uh, this. I believe it's this weekend. That's, yeah, that's kind of our. Yeah. Um, so we we, we should for. have a new update. Uh, you know, with with some little things yeah. fixed, but but mostly with the Chinese version available. Um, we're we're hoping to push out onto uh, other platforms. Uh, we're we're hoping Oculus and maybe even PlayStation VR uh, by mid this year. Um, and then, you know, within the next couple of months, we're just putting together, uh, you know, the story to go forward. Yeah. And, and we're hoping to, to have another episode done by the end of the year um, is our goal. Yes. So, you know, people, uh, you know, we've been uploading some trailers and stuff like that, yeah. uh, some behind the scenes type of stuff. Some people could, you know, kind of figure out what we're doing and where we're going to be going. With yeah, it. We, we do have a behind the scenes sort of look that's going to be coming out here. Um, I know we'll put it up on Steam, and uh, but I, it'll be on our website, which is constructstudio.co, um, and Facebook, which is probably always the first and best place to check our stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, we'll make sure we. I'll make sure that we link to all that in the show notes. But guys, thank you so much. We we really appreciate it, and uh, you know. Best of luck with the upcoming episodes. I know I'm not the only one who's excited for for the story to go on, and um, yeah, we're we're excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2017. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so are we. Thank you. So for everybody listening, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you check out the Price of Freedom. Uh, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. So definitely subscribe and uh, and make sure you check out the game. And with that, we will talk to you all very soon. <laughs>